once I started to think like an athlete, food is fuel, everything changed for me. Like, how is this helping my performance? What do I need to eat before a run? What do I need after a run? Do I need carbohydrates? Do I need protein? So understanding my diet and when I needed what I needed helped me also have that balance and enjoy the food I was eating. everybody. Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life. And my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. Today, I am sitting down with Lottie Bilderichi. She's a nutrition coach and new author behind the cookbook, Running on Veggies, Plant-Powered Recipes for Fueling and Feeling Your Best. Lottie and I are talking about just that, fueling for better performance from what you should be eating before a workout to what the threshold is for fueling during one, how long you should be out there for if that's something that's on your radar, and post-sweat nourishment as well. Plus, why hydration needs vary from person to person, and what are the staples that we should all be keeping within our pantries, fridges, and freezers regardless of dietary restrictions. Really loved this chat. Lottie and I were connected through the running community here in New York, and I love, love, love the opportunity to talk to good people. So I uh, I don't say this often, but if you know of someone that would be great for Hurdle, someone that I should be talking to, an expert, a doctor, a coach, a psychologist, or if there's someone just really rad that you want to hear from on the show, I want to hear about it. Feel free to shoot us an email over at hello at hurdle.us or shoot the Hurdle Instagram a DM. It's over at Hurdle Podcast and I am over at Emily Abadi. I also do want to throw this into the universe. A lot of you reaching out asking if I'm going to be doing events this year. The good news is yes, events are coming and they won't just be in New York, but they are a little ways away. So hang tight. I promise you I've got some goodness coming down the pipe and I could not be God, more excited to see the hurdlers I-R-L-A-S-A-P. All right, with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Lottie Bilderichi, new author of Running on Veggies. How does it feel to be an author? It's kind of crazy. I've been working on this for so long. So you just, you can't imagine getting to the end point of seeing it in bookstores. Um, I went this past weekend to a few bookstores in New York to do some signings and it was crazy. It was so surreal and it's just so amazing to see it in people's kitchens. I think the most rewarding thing is seeing people actually use it. It's really an extension of my blog and Instagram, um, approachable recipes for everyday athletes, people who just want to eat healthy and have fun in the kitchen. You yourself, an athlete as well. Talk to us a little bit about when you got involved in sport, and then we'll talk about where food kind of comes into the mix. Yeah, so I didn't grow up playing sports or really involved in any type of like, athletic 
journey growing up. Um, I went to a very orthodox Jewish school, so it wasn't something that we had after school that we were able to do. I did like play basketball a little bit, but when I was 14, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, it was a few years after treatment that people, a group of people in my community were doing a half marathon to raise money for a local cancer center. So I was like, you know, this is a great opportunity to give back. Um, I didn't think about the running part of it. I was just like, oh, this is a great opportunity just to give back to my community and do something for myself. Um, But I did that race and I just fell in love with running. And the more I got involved with running, I just found this community of people who wanted to better themselves every day with sport. And I just loved it. And I grew up in the kitchen. So it was very natural for me to look at food and say like, hey, what am I eating? And how is this affecting my performance? And how could I get better with what I'm eating? And that's really when I started to put two and two together. Um, And when I started to read books, I got um, Rich Roll's book, Scott Jurek, and they were really the only ones talking about fueling and sport and doing it plant-based. So I loved their books and I really dove into that and I saw a tremendous improvement in my running. So that's really how I got into it and how I continue to I guess, get into it. (laughs) And when you say tremendous improvement in your running, talk to us a little bit about what that really means. I went from like running a half marathon at, you know, 230. And then I was running 138. So um, not only I obviously put in more work running, but I started to really look at fuel for performance. Um, And I talk about it in the book, but there was also a point in my life where I took it too far, where I became scared to eat something that wasn't healthy. And with the very type A personality that I am, I really wanted everything to be perfect, my diet to be perfect, my running to be perfect. And I took it to an extreme. And then I experienced four stress fractures in four years. And my body was really breaking down and I wasn't upset about the stress fractures, but I was upset. I was upset that I couldn't run. So instead of being upset that my body was breaking down, I was upset that I couldn't run. And then once the fourth stress fracture happened, I started to question everything I was eating and was it enough? And um, why is no one talking about this? I didn't get my period for five years. And why is this so common in athletes? And why is this okay? And yeah, and and that's really when my Instagram started to take off because it wasn't only healing for me, but it was, I know it was healing for other people who were also going through something like this where they were, they didn't know what to eat. They didn't know if it was too much or too little, or they needed more guidance on like how athletes should be fueling. And it was also great for me because I, um, during that time, got to work with professional athletes and see their lifestyle and see that wasn't their whole life. They were enjoying dessert. They were going out, they were drinking, they were balancing everything at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And you use that buzzword that some people love and a lot of people hate, which is the word healthy, right? For so many athletes really struggling to figure out what feels right, what feels healthy for them. And of course, yes, we can look at, you know, nutrient dense options and a lot of these plant-based choices as items that could be quote unquote considered healthy, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? Yeah. And I really, and I talk about it in the book, I have this thing called healthy and unhealthy. If it was an unhealthy food, I wasn't having it. Maple syrup, coconut sugar, those were unhealthy foods to me. White flour, all these things were unhealthy and it became a fear of eating those foods. So I really had to do a lot of unlearning with that um, and find a balance. And also once I started to think like an athlete, food is fuel, 
everything changed for me. Like, how is this helping my performance? What do I need to eat before a run? What do I need after a run? Do I need carbohydrates? Do I need protein? So understanding my diet and when I needed what I needed helped me also have that balance um, and enjoy the food I was eating. And you said the word unlearn, which I think is probably a struggle point for a lot of individuals. Talk to us a little bit about what that unlearning process looked like for you. Yeah, it was definitely ups and downs because like I said, it was four years of up and down of stress fractures and injuries. And I really had to see my body break down for something for a switch and a click of of the way I was um, eating. So it was ups and downs. But I think like through it all having this Instagram and having my career, that was a big part of me healing and unlearning those those things that I learned of just like, this is bad food, this is good food. For you in that process, who were you looking to for support? Were you working with any experts one-on-one? What did that look like? Yeah. So I saw a nutritionist, which was great. I really learned about food. I went to the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And at the time, my career was taking off and I started to work with Kara Goucher. So um, Kara Goucher started following me on Instagram. She invited me to a running retreat in Napa to speak on nutrition. Um, And I remember talking to her about this early on before we really started to work together. Um, And it was really eye opening because that was like my idol in running. You know, this was someone who uh, performed at the top level, was so inspiring as a mother, as a as as a wife and just everything that she did. And um, I got to speak to her about it. So that was really amazing. And then um, she invited me to stay in 2016 to cook for her leading up to the trials that year. Her coaches saw I stayed with her for a week before the running retreat in 2015 in Breckenridge. Um, and her coaches saw her performance that week and they were just like, she's doing so well. And if she has a chance of making the team, we need you here. We need you supporting her. And I went to Boulder that year and I cooked for her and saw her performance. And it kind of just justified everything I knew. I already knew that food is fuel and food could help your performance. And she ended up placing fourth that year, but she had an incredible training cycle with no injury and was in the later part of her career and performed so well. So it was really amazing to see something like that and see the change with the food that she was eating. Yeah. What an awesome, awesome moment for you being someone that is creating recipes and fuel for athletes. There have got to be at least a few building blocks that we should touch on. So why don't you give us a little bit of your mindset, where your head's at when you think about starting to create any sort of a nutrition plan or some building blocks for someone that you're going to be working with? Yeah. So the most important thing for me is meeting someone where they're at and not trying to overhaul their whole diet because, you know, that really doesn't work. Everyone's really excited in the new year to start over, to, you know, clean out their pantry. And that's great, the motivation, but you really have to take it every day at a time. And I like to create habits. So two weeks um, is a great start point. So if you could do something for two weeks, let's say, you want to cook three times a week. Let's see if you could sustain that for two weeks. And then we build on that. So really um, making small changes that will last a long time. Yeah, that's really smart. So tip one, don't try to completely overhaul your diet all at once. Let's talk about what someone needs to take into account when they're thinking about fueling for better performance. 
starting, let's say, first thing in the morning? Where do we start? So yeah, first thing in the morning, that is like the most important time because that's really going to set you up for the whole day. What you eat in the morning, how you start your day is going to set you up for a successful day. So definitely want to start with hydration. I Everyone knows that to do this, but no one does it. And I'm I don't do it myself sometimes, but start with hydration, wake up, drink water while you're making your coffee. Before you do anything, drink water, start with hydration, especially in the winter. You may not be drinking as much because it's cold out. Um, So you definitely want to start with hydration and then you want to start with a healthy breakfast. So whether you're running in the morning or running in the evening, you want to think about how you're fueling that day to help your performance. So what time are you running? Are you running in the evening? Maybe you want to eat light during the day um, and time your fuel for when you're working out. If you're working out first thing in the morning, um, you definitely want to have a little bit of carbohydrates. So whether it's a banana, a piece of toast, um, nothing too heavy. And then afterwards, um, think about protein and carbs because those are the two things that you really want to replace after a workout. You want to replace lost glycogen stores found in carbohydrates and protein to help rebuild muscle. So I always go to a smoothie. I love a smoothie for that. A lot of people sometimes aren't hungry after a workout, so a smoothie is a great option. Yeah, well, a lot of people also may feel some kind of way about putting something into their body before the workout. I feel like so many women I know, they always say, oh, I like really can't even eat when I'm doing something as like intense as running a marathon. I have one friend who literally takes one gel because her stomach just doesn't handle it. So what does that person do when it comes to fueling for their workouts? Yeah, you have to start small. And I always tell people also like your fueling before your workout is helping your recovery. If you're not fueling beforehand, your body's going to be so depleted that no matter what you have after your workout, you're not going to be able to catch up. So I think it's a lot of the time understanding how this plays a role, a bigger picture role and also start small. So instead of trying something new during your long run, why don't you try having something small before your five mile run during the week or 5k that you have during the week? And you don't need to have a bowl of oatmeal, but have a piece of fruit beforehand and start small so that your gut could get used to having it. Gels, tip it like if one gel doesn't work for you, try something else. There's so many options out there that I feel like it's not an excuse to say that one like gels don't work for you. You could even have dates. You could have the chews that they make. You could get it in the form of a drink. So there are definitely options out there. Yeah, definitely a lot of options. Okay, so we're talking about first thing in the morning here. We've mentioned the importance of hydration. We've also mentioned the importance of how to break up those carbs versus proteins and fats. When the effort is done, if you are a morning exercise person, you mentioned a little bit about the importance of all of these building blocks, but what kind of ratio should we be looking for? Yeah, I try. And I do. I talk about this in the book. Also, I try not to make it too technical. We're not looking at macronutrients all the time, because I think that also turns people away from eating healthy when you complicate it. So I think don't complicate it. Keep it simple. Um, Some things that I like to tell people to try before a workout, if there's someone who doesn't love to eat before a workout, try a rice cake with almond butter, try a piece of Ezekiel toast with almond butter, try a banana, try an apple, try an orange, but look at carbohydrates. You want to look at carbohydrates and a little bit of fat. That's actually really interesting because I guess being someone that doesn't feel as though 
their recovery is like in any worse for it kind of state by not eating before I go out and run in the morning. I'm sitting here thinking about if it would be any different or if I would feel any different if I even just kickstarted it with something light just to do it. Not because I feel as though perhaps like my body is breaking and I need to do it, but just because I know that if I was to do that, then maybe I'd be set up even better. Yeah, we always want to get better. And I think like that's that's kind of how I look at food is how could we get better through the food that we're eating? And if you're working out longer than an hour, it's just essential that you eat beforehand. If it's less than an hour, it's not as important, but you can't try it out. If you, if you're someone new to eating before a run, you don't want to try it out in during your long run. Right. Right. I think you just mentioned something that's really important that we bring into the mix here now. And that is the concept of timing. So often people in my DMS asking about how, much fuel they should be taking, how often I'm running a 10K and you just brought up that hour threshold, Mark. Is that the Goldilocks time period that you would chat with people about when it comes to making sure that you're giving your body what it needs to perform at its best? Yeah, an hour is kind of the standard guideline, or I would say like a six miles, but it also the intensity matters. So let's say you're going to the, the track and you're running six miles, but it's going to take you an hour and a half between the stop and go. You have to take that into consideration. Are you putting more effort out during these workouts? Is it an intense workout where maybe you have a little bit more time in the morning before you head out? Timing is also important. Like you mentioned, if you're rolling out of bed and going, maybe you can't eat beforehand and maybe that's not realistic. But if you are doing a long run, make that time to eat beforehand, wake up earlier, um, practice having it, and also use that as a test run for your race. During your race, you don't want to think about anything besides for running. And when you have to think about nutrition and you have to think about your gear and what you're wearing, it kind of messes with your head. It's all about confidence going to the start line. So knowing that you tested these things during your long runs, during training is going to set you up for a better race overall. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, Element, L-M-N-T. Element makes a science-backed electrolyte drink bags with everything you need and nothing you don't. I have tried, goodness, my fair share of electrolytes over the years. God, I've tried my fair share of a lot of things from running sunglasses to running sneakers. And let me tell you, these electrolytes, they are my absolute favorite. I have used them training for everything from marathons to century bike rides. And that's saying a lot, right? The formula is super high caliber. It's plant-based with no sugar, fillers, gluten, or sketchy ingredients. And I love their variety of flavors. I am a super salty sweater. I've talked about it here before. I'm going to reiterate it again. So that is why this salty but sweet formula is my absolute go-to. The good news is that you can get a free element sample pack, which includes some of my favorite flavors like raspberry, orange, and citrus, absolutely free. All you've got to do is pay $5 shipping. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get yours today. Again, that is drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get your free element sample pack today. Also want to give some love to my friends at Beam. 
can I tell you, I just got the phone with my life coach and we were talking about the things that like my subconscious doesn't want to deal with during the day. And she was asking me, because I've been like tossing and turning the last couple of nights, what I could do for better sleep. And without like any hesitation, I said, Beam Dream. I like to take my Beam Dream, which is their CBD infused kind of nighttime drink. It tastes like a hot chocolate. It's also got reishi, L-theanine, magnesium, melatonin, all these really great adaptogens to help you get to sleep and stay asleep. And I like to take it about 60 to 90 minutes before I go to bed. And life has just been super crazy lately. Haven't had the opportunity to do that. Tonight, I am doing it. I am looking forward to mixing up a cup of Beam Dream. I make it with hot water and some broth almond milk. And honestly, it's such a treat, not only because it helps me sleep through the night really consistently, but also it tastes delicious and helps to curb some of my, what can be aggressive <laughs> dessert cravings come the end of the day. I am such a huge fan of Beam Dream and they have a lot of really other great products, whether you are looking for a CBD tincture, I'm a big fan of their Focus capsules, which I take during my workday to really dial in. They also have salves and topicals, so much good stuff at one destination. If you head on over to beamorganics.com slash hurdle, that is beamorganics, B-E-A-M, M-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S dot com slash hurdle, you can get 35% off your first month's subscription of Beam Dream plus 15% off the rest of the site. Again, that is beamorganics.com slash hurdle to grab yourself a great discount today. When it comes to the rest of our days here, we talked about breakfast, we've talked about racing and timing, but I want to think about lunch, dinner, other big meals. What are some of the other foundational building blocks that you focus on when it comes to creating uh, nutritional, healthy options for the athletes that you work with? Yes, it all comes down to your pantry. It has to, you have to have it well stocked. You don't want to be going to the grocery store every single day because you want to try this recipe and that recipe. Have a plan, be organized. And I always tell people to make leftovers for lunch. You don't want to have to be, and people are working from home now. So um, you kind of have more flexibility when it comes to eating lunch. A lot of the times everyone's like, oh, I don't have time or I don't have many options. But now there are more options. Make double dinner, stock your freezer, um, make it easy for yourself. Um, I have a lot of great options in the book. And I also have a pantry guide, which I think is really important because um, having a well-stocked pantry um, can make or break you having a meal that night or ordering in. I always like to keep like bonds on hand because it's rich in protein. So you get like um, a bean pasta. Um, I always keep frozen fish in the freezer. So I'll go to Whole Foods, ask them to cut up portions, and then I'll freeze it. And yeah, and I always like to keep frozen vegetables, frozen fruit, just to make it easy if I'm in a pinch. Yeah, in a pinch. That's really smart. And the frozen note, it's really important to touch on here that you're getting the exact same amount, if not more nutrients when you're reaching for frozen. Why is that? Yeah, because it's going to be picked um, during its peak, during its season. So if blueberries aren't in season, buy frozen blueberries. Those were picked when it was in season and it's going to taste just as good and you're using it in a smoothie most likely or you're throwing it in oatmeal. It's going to taste great. So and it's also convenient. You don't have to go to the store every week and get blueberries. You always have it in your freezer. Um, frozen spinach is something that I use in smoothies. Most people don't think to use it in smoothies. Frozen spinach, they'll only use fresh spinach. Frozen cauliflower, I wouldn't use 
raw cauliflower, but I would use cauliflower rice in a smoothie, which tastes great. Utilizing the freezer is definitely key and great to um, making it easy for yourself. Yeah, especially if the fruits aren't organic. A lot of people don't think about like the time that it takes from when it gets picked to when it finally arrives in your supermarket. So to have one option where you know that, hey, this was like literally picked and like preserved over picked, sent, shipped, whatever. <laughs> Until it yeah, the shelf. Yeah, totally. And if you could support your local farmer's market, that's even better. I live near Union Square, so I go there all the time. Um, I love to compost. I keep compost in my freezer. Eating seasonally um, is not only better for the environment, but it's better for you. We talked about smoothies being like perhaps like a a post-workout pick, but for someone who is working out perhaps a little bit later in the day and they're looking for something that's a little bit heavier or perhaps a little bit heartier, more of a meal, what kind of things would you recommend that they reach for? Right, right, right. Okay. So after a workout later in the day, you want to look carbs, protein are going to be um, the most important thing after a workout. So I love a grain bowl. Um, Cook a bunch of brown rice, have it in your freezer, I mean, have it in your fridge, and then you could add a protein to it, add avocado, add sauces. Um, I have a section in the book that are all bowls and um, bowls are just so easy and fun to put together and you can make them different every time based on the sauce that you put on. So that's definitely my go-to. Yeah. Can we talk about sauces and stuff like that for just a second here? I feel like a lot of people struggle with like using the right sauce or using too much sauce or like completely uh, sabotaging what they're making because they're dousing it in the wrong sauce. Like where do the right, what's the right strategy with that? Okay. Never buy store-bought sauce. Let's never. just put it out there. Don't it's yeah. It's so easy to make yourself. I always like roll my eyes. If I look in someone's fridge and it's a bunch of, um, dressings from whole foods and it says healthy on it. And like half of the bottle is oil. It's just not, you could do better. Just if you have a little bit, if you have a mini chop, I love using a mini chop and making a a tahini sauce. Tahini is great, really rich in calcium. You could make so many sauces. I like to make sauce and freeze it. Another way to utilize the freezer if you're not going to use all of it at once, but definitely stay away from the store-bought stuff. There's so many additives that are not necessary. Not necessary. I feel like I became a grown-up a little bit when I started making some of my own sauces, influenced by one of my best friends who now is about to be a mother of two. I would go visit her for some time. And every night she was just like shaking up a different bottle of dressing. And I was like, this is so easy. I don't know why I had such a mental block over doing this myself. And it makes such a difference because I have a few dressings in the fridge and I'm like, okay, salad could be boring. I could just throw balsamic vinegar over it. But now I have this amazing dressing in the freezer makes it more exciting and different every single time. I would love to touch on desserts. It's something that a lot of us reach to. I know that for me, like half of the reason I run is for croissants and donuts and, you know, all this stuff. So let's talk a little bit about desserts and maybe what to keep in mind when it comes to reaching for them on the regular? Yeah. So I feel like I'm most known for my desserts. I've always been very, I've always had a lot of fun in the kitchen and got creative when it comes to desserts. Uh, when I worked with Kara, she was really into dessert every single night she would have dessert. And that was so new to me. And I was, I was just looking at the the food she was eating. I'm like, these are empty calories. How could we do better? And I made this tahini fudge 
which had calcium in it because we're using tahini. And it was just, let's level up the desserts. Let's look at desserts and see what we could put in them so they're not just empty calories. So a lot of the desserts I have in the book reflect those recipes that I've made over the years. I have things like black bean brownies, chocolate chip oat cookies. I love desserts. I love cooking desserts. I don't think that you need to sacrifice taste if you're making a healthy dessert. It doesn't need to be bland. Yeah, I could talk about dessert all day. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk about desserts forever. We're team dessert. I, I think it's interesting, right, to think about, okay, this can be a treat, but it can also be good for me. A lot of people, again, going back to that conversation over like the word healthy versus non-healthy, like I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit here and be like, no, you can't have a cookie, but it is kind of smart and like a fun way to think about it. If you can th- say to yourself, I'm going to have this cookie and also it's giving my body some really good stuff. Yeah. And also I shouldn't, there shouldn't be any guilt associated with dessert, like own it, you're eating it enjoy it and everything in moderation. Don't overindulge. Even if it is tahini fudge, you know, enjoy that piece of dessert that you're having and feel good about it. So um, that's why I love the desserts in the book, because you're really getting to understand why I pick certain ingredients um, and feel good about eating them. Yeah. And that certain ingredients note is really important. I saw that you use dates a lot. Can we talk a little bit about using dates over something maybe like the the sugar that someone would otherwise conventionally reach for? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in fruit sweetened desserts. I mostly use dates to sweeten things because you're getting the whole food. So you're getting fiber, you're getting nutrients versus a more simple sugar. I do use maple syrup and coconut sugar in the desserts. Um, which is fine. Everything in moderation again, and it is a dessert. So um, I make sure to keep away from those sugars in the morning because I don't think you should start your day with that. So I have like a blueberry muffin that's date sweetened. Um, But in the dessert section, I use maple syrup. It's really rich in minerals. So it's, it's not all that bad. And I use coconut sugar mostly. And coconut sugar, mostly. Okay. And then you did mention hydration at the very top of this, talking about getting in water first thing in the morning. What kind of hydration should someone be, quote unquote, aiming for during the day? And why are you going to tell me that it varies from person to person? Yeah. So just like everyone's diet, it's going to be different. What what people are drinking is going to be different. really depends on how much you sweat your body weight, your age, hormones. So there's no perfect number, but like old school, look at your pee, see what color it is. You'll know if you're hydrating enough. You'll know if you're hydrating enough based on your skin. Um, If you're getting super dry skin, if you're thirsty, like those are all old school tricks. And I don't think we need to make it complicated. Same thing you know, drink when you're thirsty, eat when you're hungry. It's it's so simple. And I think sometimes people like to overcomplicate it um, just so that they could, I guess, check a box or I don't know why well, everyone likes to make everything complicated, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, there's so many different things that we've heard before, like the half of your body weight in ounces per day. That's like something to strive for. Obviously, like you said, there are just like so many factors to take into consideration when it comes to how much we are hydrating during the day. Again, kind of what you were saying earlier about meeting an athlete where they're at when it comes to planning their nutrition. If you're trying to be quote unquote better about your hydration, you really have to start by meeting yourself where you're at. Like, yes, it is fun 
to an extent for me to like, look at this massive gallon water jug on my desk every day. I can't believe that I can say the sentence. I've actually finished it every day for the last week. It feels like a small miracle because when I used to think about drinking water, meeting myself with where I was at was me telling myself, okay, you're at the point right now where maybe you're drinking a bottle a day. How can you meet yourself where you're at and get to two and then stick with two for a couple of weeks, get that under your belt and then move to three, you know? So it's again, like it's not getting down on yourself for the fact that you may not be doing quote unquote, what you're supposed to do, but asking yourself how you can make positive tweaks to get to where you want to be. Yeah. And one thing at a time, like don't overwhelm yourself. That's a great goal and focus on that until you're happy with where you're at. And, you know, there's always more that we could do, but like be happy with where you're at and how far you've come. I definitely, you're like reminding me that I never drink water. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone listening to this podcast is like, yep, yep. This is exactly me. This is exactly (laughs) me. Okay. So we have talked about hydration and desserts and um, things that you should be keeping in your pantry and your freezer. Is there anything that you always like to have in your refrigerator? Oh, good question. So I always keep eggs in my fridge. That's something that's always there to restock. Easy protein. Use it in baked goods. Always have oat milk. Big fan of oat milk in my coffee. Can we talk about oat milk? It's very controversial. I it's don't know if I have all the knowledge to talk about oat milk. But I'm like, if oat milk's the worst thing you're eating, you're doing okay. Like people are so hard on themselves. Oat milk's fine. Isn't it? But isn't it like the store-bought oat milk is what they're saying is like could just be very bad for you depending on what brand you're shopping? Yeah, they're saying there's safflower oil in it. There's canola oil in it. People think that it could be bad for you. I like, again, like if oat milk's the worst thing that you're eating, it's totally okay. (laughs) Um, I'm putting it in my coffee. I'm not drinking cups of it right um all the time so i think you just have to be realistic with like how much of it you're having don't overdo it but um yeah i i really like it as a milk alternative i was having whole milk in my coffee before i was using that and i generally i genuinely like the taste of oat milk and that's why i've been having it okay we support oat milk we're on team oat milk so you said eggs oat milk what else should we be keeping in there Yeah, I always keep romaine lettuce because I always love a salad for lunch. um, And I always have a dressing on hand. I also keep greens, spinach or kale because I like it. I like how versatile it could be. I could use it raw, but I could also use it for a saute. And then not my fridge, but my freezer. I keep frozen salmon all the time. um, Just an easy protein to have on hand. Um, I'm trying to like picture what else is in my fridge. I love LaCroix. So that's another thing. Sparkling water and soda stream. Always have sparkling water in my fridge. Okay. Okay. So we've said fish and eggs and oat milk and wow. Okay. So these are like some pretty basic things. The greens are really helpful. I'm also really big on sauteing those. And then what about something you said, try to avoid buying those store-bought dressings, but other condiments, is there anything that we should be wary of when it comes to what else we're putting onto our foods? Yeah, you would just be surprised how many things have added sugar and how you could easily get something without sugar if you just look at ingredient labels. So for instance, almond butter always has added sugar, but like right next to it, there's one that doesn't have sugar and it's not really going to be very clear on the label. So get used to reading ingredient labels and also learn about how it's listed. So the ingredient in the front of the list is going to have more than the one at the end. So usually you see salt at the ends because it's very minimal. But if sugar is in the beginning 
of the ingredient list, it usually has more of it. Um, you know, unsweetened almond milk versus sweetened almond milk, like those little adjustments um, to avoid added sugar could go a long way. So much goodness that came from this conversation. Is there anything else that we should keep in mind that we haven't touched on when it comes to fueling for better performance? Yeah, I feel like we did a really good job in covering timing. I don't know if I spoke about the timing after a workout, but you want to look to get something in within 30 minutes post-workout. If you can't get a smoothie in and you can't get you know exactly what you want, just make sure that you have something. And I have a section in the book called Adventure Snacks. So these are all snacks that are meant to be portable. So um, bringing something like that with you is a great idea. Any type of bar that you like, any food really, like don't, um, don't not eat because you don't have the perfect thing after, after a workout. So timing of that is, is important. Don't worry about being perfect. I love it. I love it. Lottie, this was so informative. I'm so excited for you and this new cookbook. Give us all of your details. Let the hurdlers know. How do they follow along with you? Where can they buy your cookbook? We want to, we want, we want to know everything. Thank you. Yeah, you could buy the book wherever books are sold. It's available locally in New York at Barnes and Nobles, The Strand. You can also find it on Amazon um, and online on my website, runonbeds.com. You could find the book. And I really hope that you just, that you like the book, that it's approachable recipes um, and you have fun in the kitchen. I think having fun in the kitchen is the most important part. Thank you so much again. I am over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.